San Francisco County Transportation Authority. I am Raphael Mandelman. I chair this board. Our vice chair is Aaron Peskin. Our clerk is Brittany Milton. Um, Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes. Commissioner Chan. Chan absent. Commissioner Haney. Present. Haney present. Commissioner Mandelman. Present. Mandelman present. Commissioner Marr. Present. Marr present. Commissioner Melgar. Present. Melgar present. Commissioner Peskin. Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Preston. Present. Preston present. Commissioner Ronan. Present. Ronan present. Commissioner Safai. Safai absent. Commissioner Stephanie. Present. Stephanie present. Commissioner Walton. Present. Walton present. Commissioner Chan. Present. Chan present. We have quorum. Commissioner Safai is here as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner uh, Madam Clerk, I think you have some announcements for us. Yes, I will make an announcement about public, public comment. Public comment will be available for this item. I'm so sorry. Public comment will be available for each item on this agenda via telephone by calling 415-655-0001 and when prompted entering access code 2483-312-4272 and then pound and pound again. Once you join, you will be able to listen to the meeting as a participant to make public comment on an item when the item is called, dial star three to be added to, to, the, to the queue to speak. Do not press star three again or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise that you will, will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls are taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn on the volume of any televisions or radios around you. If you wish to comment during the meeting, it is best to listen via the public comment line to avoid delay on the live stream of the meeting. And that concludes my announcement. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, could you please call item number two? Yes, item two, final approval on first appearance. The resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings under California Government Code, section 54953E. This is an action item. Um, Thank you, Madam Clerk. Do you have a, are you presenting anything beyond? Yes, I just have a, okay. just have a small blurb. Um, um, so this resolution allows public agencies to continue to exclusive, exclusively meet via teleconference during a proclaimed state of emergency. In order to do so, the agency must take, make certain findings, including that it has considered state of emergency and that conducting in-person meetings would present imminent risk to attendees and public health and safety. This resolution applies to the Transportation Authority Board, Community Advisory Committee, and the Expenditure Plan Advisory Committee for the next 30 days. That is it. Great. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, let's open this item to public comment. There is no public comment. All right, uh, public comment on item two is closed. Is there a motion to approve this item? Moved by Ronan, seconded by Peskin. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. On item two, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Melgar. 
Melgar, I, Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, I, Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, I, Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, I, Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, I, Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, I, Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, I, we have 11 ayes. The um, motion passes. Thank you. Uh, please call item three. Item three, Chair's report. This is an information item. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, as it is the end of the year, we're doing a little bit of a recap, uh, and um, I, uh, my remarks are extensive. So grab your coffee, um, settle in. Um, this weekend, uh, Commissioner Melgar and I uh, joined Bay Area Transit leaders to celebrate the passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill with Speaker Pelosi and members of our Bay Area delegation at Salesforce uh, Transit Center, along with representatives from the building trades. Um, Speaker Pelosi and Representatives Speer and Desanier underscored what this new $1.2 trillion, uh, including $550 billion in new funding, means for our region and state. They highlighted the importance of better connecting our rail systems within the state and especially the Bay Area to address the ever-worsening climate crisis, improve, improve health and equity outcomes, and to create good union jobs. As we gathered in the train station and the the train station uh, to be um, in the transit center's basement. Speaker Pelosi made it clear that she is particularly keen to see combined Caltrain and California high-speed rail service reach the transit center via the downtown rail extension and related investments in the coming years. The event was a fitting way to cap a challenging but ultimately productive and encouraging year for transit. Colleagues, as you will recall, when we began the year, transit was in a precarious state. Ridership was at an all-time low, and our economy and sales tax program had taken a big hit. Over the past 12 months, we've started to recover, and there are many positive developments as we move into the new year. Together, we successfully urged Congress and President Biden to help save transit. They responded by passing the CARES Act and COVID relief packages to sustain essential services for Muni, BART, and transit systems across the nation. Here at the TA, we held many transportation recovery hearings to discuss Muni and BART service restoration priorities and other critical efforts. I wanna thank the SFMDA and this board for those important discussions. With the help of two tranches of federal COVID relief funds and $30 million of regional hardship funds that Commissioner Ronan recently helped secure from MTC, um, I am glad to see that all but two Muni lines are planned to return next year as part of the MTA's recently adopted 2020 to service plan. We also saw our Prop K sales tax revenues recover slowly but surely, as well as our vehicle registration and TNC tax revenue. And we were able to put these to good use funding critical vision zero and quick build pedestrian and bicycle safety projects, bus only lanes and other needed transit system uh, investments, the shared spaces and slow streets programs and other recovery efforts. Um, uh, thank you to our policy and programming division led by uh, Anna Laforte and her staff who worked hard all year with our partners at the SFMTA and other agencies to support a total of $94 million in Prop K allocations and $6 million in Prop AA vehicle registration funds to a variety of projects and programs across the city. Kudos also to all our partner agencies who focus on essential travelers and help to stay, stay focused on achieving our goals whether through adding over 10 miles of quick build safety projects, including 6.5 miles of protected bike facilities, 
or by creating 20 miles of transit priority lanes and implementing traffic calming solutions citywide and reducing speed limits in the tenderloin. I also want to congratulate the SFMTA on successfully reorienting muni lines, slow streets, and our bike network to better serve neighborhood to neighborhood connections and delivering key projects such as the El Terravel and Geary Phase 1 projects, Second Street, Jefferson Street Plaza, and the transit bolts and signals for the five Fulton. Thank you, commissioners, for leading NTIP planning and capital projects, large and small, in every district from Innis Bikeways in District 10 and Neighborways in District 4 to 19th Avenue enhancements for Districts 1, 4, and 7 to pedestrian safety and traffic calming improvements in Districts 2, 5, 9, and 11, as well as upper market safety and slow Sanchez improvements in my district. Through all of these investments, our excellent finance and administration team has ensured that San Franciscans can have the highest level of confidence in the Transportation Authority's stewardship of their tax dollars, with the TA earning a Certificate of Achievement from the Government Finance Officers Association for the fourth year in a row, and yet again maintaining our AAA, AAA bond rating, making the TA one of the highest rated organizations in the state. Thank you, Cynthia Fong and your team. Colleagues, we know we have much work to do next year, and I'm glad to see so many of the pieces to support that work coming together. Uh, that This includes our strong partnership with the Transbay Joint Powers Authority, where it's been my pleasure to serve as vice chair this year. In addition to building up a great team, including our newly selected executive director, Adam Vandewater, we learned just last week that the downtown rail extension project received permission to enter the US Department of Transportation's New Starts grant program, a key milestone that sets the project up to apply for funding in 2023 on our accelerated delivery schedule. Thank you uh, to Jesse Kaler and our executive director, Tilly Chang, and everyone at TJPA for your dedication to advancing the DTX project. As we will hear later on in today's meeting, I'm particularly looking forward to a new phase of speed reductions throughout San Francisco, thanks to the position, thanks to the passage of AB 43 this year, which the board, which this board endorsed, and that will finally allow us to take pedestrian safety into account when setting speed limits on our local roads. As we have heard here many times, reducing speeds is one of the most important things we can do to save lives and meet our Vision Zero goals. And I want to thank MTA staff for being so proactive in their implementation of this new program. With the MTA board approving the first seven speed reduction corridors last week, including on commercial portions of Valencia, 24th Street, Fillmore, Haight, Polk, Ocean, and San Bruno, where speeds will be, be reduced from 20, 25 to 20 miles per hour starting in the spring and with the next batch being developed now. Finally, uh, the region approved a new long-range land use and transportation vision, Plan Bay Area. I want to thank my fellow ABAG and MTC representatives, Commissioners Ronan, Marr, and Melgar, for their efforts at the regional level and Amber Crabb and Michelle Beaulieu on our TA staff for guiding us toward a plan Bay Area um, that, uh, uh, that included all of our key transportation investments. We've accomplished a lot this year with many more projects to come as we develop our San Francisco transportation plan and new sales tax expenditure plan next year, which will be considered by voters in the fall. And I want to thank all the members of the public who are serving on the Expenditure Plan Advisory Committee, or EPAC, including uh, Chair Deep Jawa and Vice Chair Annie Chung. And as always, thank you as well to our Community Advisory Committee members, including Chair John Larson and Vice Chair David Klein. Thank you all for your service. Colleagues, all of this took, hard, took the hard work of our great TA staff. Thank you to our production team led by Chief of Staff Maria Lombardo, 
who's enabled the public to stay engaged with the important work of our board, CAC and the EPAC. Appreciations go to our clerk, Brittany Milton, and excellent behind the scenes operations team, Yvette, Jen, Angela, Chen, uh, Wilson, and SFGovTV. I'm very grateful, I know we all are, for the dedication of our legislative aides in each office, um, including Jacob Bentliff in my office. Um, thank you for supporting each of us in advancing transportation access and collaboration across the city and region. And finally, deep, deep, great and abundant thank yous to our executive director, Tilly Chang, for guiding us successfully through yet another challenging year. With that, colleagues, at long last, I will conclude my remarks by wishing you all a safe holiday season and a happy new year and hope you are all able to take some well-deserved time off during our winter recess. And we should open my remarks to public comment. There is no public comment. All right, let's uh, close public comment on item three. Um, Madam Clerk, please call item four. Item four, executive director's report. This is an information item. Thank you very much, Chair Mandelman. Good morning, commissioners. Thank you so much, Chair Mandelman, for recapping uh, what really was a tremendous year of, of accomplishment, ultimately, even despite the tremendous challenge uh, that we've all been through with COVID. I just want to add um, to the chair's uh, mention of the event with Speaker Pelosi uh, that we, we will be sending um, letters, of course, to our other federal delegation uh, leadership who helped us with all of these, uh, these successes with the infrastructure bill and also the raise grant um, that we were able to secure, which is highly competitive. Uh, turning to the region, um, wanted to mention that MTC yesterday held a listening session uh, for the potential 2024 regional revenue measure. They're already thinking ahead to 2024, um, as we're also working together to uh, weigh in on the Bay Area's needs and priorities for the state budget surplus. All of these funds will be critically important in order for us to get our uh, projects um, matched with local funds and prepared to compete for the infrastructure bill uh, funds that, that were just passed by Congress. Um, the MTC listening session was an early uh, look ahead to 2024. Uh, there was a focus on maintaining and operating what we have by transit operators and uh, transportation authorities across the region, potentially backfilling regional measure three if that is not upheld, the, the uh, Bay Area, uh, Bay Area's toll program, uh, and as well uh, focus on implementing Plan Bay Area priorities, such as the downtown rail extension and Muni Core capacity and BART Core capacity, Caltrain, and and other other priorities. Uh, other revenue sources that were on the table besides the sales tax were. Uh, um, additional potential other progressive sources, including a gas tax or, or road pricing. Um, so there's still many, uh, many more uh, steps to go on that. But um, given that some cities are at their sales tax cap, that is starting to, to really start to, um, to expand the consideration of what we might see in, in a couple of years. I also want to thank the MTC for helping to uh, work with the governor's office regarding the um, uh, PURPA issue. This is the 2013 Public Employees Pension Reform Act um, that we mentioned a couple of months ago, and there is some reason for a bit more concern now than there, there had been in October. Uh, last month, the USDOT, uh, excuse me, the Department of Labor notified California that it had determined that our PURPA law, labor law passed in 2013 
um, it was in violation uh, with uh, with their their laws and, and their rules for directing federal transit administration funds to California. Um, if this funding is withheld, it may put at risk approximately one and a half billion dollars in Bay Area FTA grants. Um, now, I want to note here that SFMTA Muni are not subject to PERPA and, and this potential risk because the agency's employees contribute to the San Francisco Employees Retirement System, uh, independent of CalPERS and other statewide public pension programs. So the USDOT has accepted MTA's standing and certified MTA's $248 million in uh, American Rescue Package grant funds just this past last week. So that's that's a big relief and, and we're happy for them uh, at SFMTA, but are still concerned for all the other Bay Area and California transit agencies. So we'll continue to um, support Governor Newsom's office. The state of California has filed a motion to stay the implementation of the de Department of Labor's determination um, and to allow the FTA grant funds and certifications to continue. Uh, so we'll support Governor Newsom's administration and MTC and keep you posted. So then turning now to some local issues. Um, last week, uh, we joined to celebrate the San Francisco Department of Environment's release of the Climate Action Plan. This was a, a multi-year effort led by SF Environment and Mayor Breed um, uh, announced the release and uh, to, to quite a bit of um, so good reception. It's a very important piece of work, of course, to chart a path to achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040. Um, and working toward addressing racial and social equity, uh, resilience, and, and other goals as we're doing so. Transportation does represent 47% of greenhouse gas emissions, and so we do want to stay very focused on, on the transportation piece of the, of the solution. Uh, the cap sets an 80% low carbon mode share goal by 2030, um, and it also aims to increase electrification of private vehicle fleets to at least 25% by 2030 and 100% by 2040. So RTA staff did support development of the transportation and land use chapter of the CAP. Um, and this included a, a number of strategies that you're well familiar with, uh, prioritizing sustainable modes and increasing mixed use uh, transit oriented development and accelerating adoption of zero emission vehicles, as well as public charging infrastructure. Um, and pricing signals and incentives as well. Uh, to, to round out that package of strategies. So we're happy to support that and um, we'll be coordinating uh, with them to see if there might be a desire to see a, a, a presentation on the transportation strategies in the, in the coming year. School access study, that is also moving forward. There has been a coordination event with the um, Department of Children, Youth and Families and the SFUSD. So I wanna appreciate uh, those partners in conducting our school access study. Um, there was, uh, an event in the in the past few weeks, several outreach events actually hosted by um, SFUSD to understand the transportation issues raised by caregivers regarding the district's elementary school assignment policy um, update and their strong coordination with the district as well as ongoing initiatives led by uh, DCYF to inform the development of K, K through five transportation solutions, especially for the longer distance um, uh, families who access school and after school activities. Um, so working on the school access plan uh, will include ramping up a technical advisory committee and outreach uh, next late winter and spring. More information on our website um, at sfcta.org slash projects slash school. Um, turning to project delivery, 
there's more quick builds uh, that are beginning construction. So great uh, news based on our half cent sales tax and TNC tax funding. Two more Vision Zero quick build projects are set to begin construction. Embarcadero from Mission to Broadway will begin uh, this month and with bike signals and plans to install a protected bikeway in January as well South Van Ness Avenue from 14th to Cesar Chavez. We'll see a lane reduction and signal timing changes implemented in January. Um, so great, great progress continues in that front. Uh, also new SF state bike cages are being constructed, um, supported by our, again, transportation fund for clean air sources. The um, parking facility at Thornton Hall has received a, a new secure bike uh, cage as well, um, the TA funded um, uh, this cage, along with uh, space for about 120 bikes, um, we're excited to help students and other members of the SF State community choose sustainable commute mode options and continue to look forward to a second TFCA-funded bike cage um, in 2022. I know Commissioner Malgar is also working on bike share access from the Daly City Bark Station. Um, we're happy to support her and uh, the Bay Wheels bike share system, um, Daly City Bart and MTA in that in that effort. Now, turning to our DBE and LBE um, upcoming uh, outreach opportunities and, and, and recent activities on November 17th, we hosted a virtual disadvantaged business enterprise and local business enterprise outreach event. It brought together approximately 80 attendees, um, including primes and subs to meet each other and learn about upcoming contract opportunities with the TA and with our TIMA agency work. Um, following the main presentation, uh, there were opportunities for folks to connect. And for more information, we do hope people will continue to con register at our website, sfcta.org slash contracting. Now, two more last um, updates. Our sales tax numbers in September were, were even more promising than in uh, the prior month in August. Sales tax revenues in September reached 9.9 .9 million, almost 10 million. Um, and that was 26% higher than the prior month in August and had really just, just about basically met um, within beat by just a smidge uh, the prior pre-pandemic September figures in 2019. So uh, we're really pleased to see that. And we are though um, gonna be monitoring everything closely. We're on track for our fiscal 22 budget. Um, we're not sure what the recent um, uh, effect of, of the uh, um, Omicron might be, but we're hopeful that we're gonna continue the strong upward trend uh, into the new year. And, can, and the revenue streams uh, that will uh, continue to come in through the holiday season. So we'll be monitoring that as well as our TNC tax revenues through the, through the winter. On the Community Advisory Committee, just wanna mention that we are welcoming applicants for the CAC. Um, this, uh, there are a couple of three openings right now due to two term expirations in districts five and nine, um, one of whom is seeking reappointment. So I'll just note, uh, I believe, um, Commissioner Ronan has nominated somebody for uh, for District 9, so we're still seeking Districts 5 and 6. Um, we expect to bring an item to the board in January to fill some of these vacancies. And finally, just want to also echo the chair's thanks to our Community Advisory Committee and our Expenditure Plan Advisory Committee for their tremendous and hard work and their excellent input and guidance throughout the year. Uh, thank you all, commissioners, as well, for your guidance and support throughout the year. And then on behalf of our staff, I want to extend that gratitude to your staff, all the legislative aides who make time for us. Um, we really, really appreciate that throughout the year. We thank our partners as well for their collaboration and look forward to continued uh, good work 
and success in the new year. Have a safe and happy holiday, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Executive Director Chang. Um, let's open uh, the Executive Director's report to public comment. Okay. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Great, David Pilpel. Um, so thank you. If you could just post the executive director's report on the website, because it's not there yet. I always enjoy reading that. Um, I was also looking for the 2022 meeting schedule and could not find that. And if someone could just clarify when the next meeting of the SFCTA board is in January, I would very much appreciate that. Otherwise, happy holidays and thanks. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Uh, my name is Francisco da Costa, and uh, I've listened to the long-winded uh, remarks both by the chair and the executive director. Uh, all I have to say is that uh, we need the empirical data when it comes to climate change when it comes to uh, transportation issues, more PM 2.5s posted on your website. Uh, anyone can talk the talk. We need to walk the walk. And some of y'all have been in the same place for too long. We, we need a change. We need people who can really think outside the box. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. There are no more callers. All right, public comment on this item is closed. Uh, Director Chang, when is our first meeting in January? I believe it's the 11th, um, but I'll defer to our chief deputy if she may know better. Um, but I believe it's the 11th. It should follow the BOS Board that of Supervisors. January 11th. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you. Um, all right, Madam Clerk, please call item five. Item five through the minutes of the December 7th, 2021 meeting. This is an action item. Uh, let's open this item for public comment. There is no public comment. Public comment on item five is closed. Is there a motion to approve item five, the minutes? Moved by Vice Chair Peskin. Is there a second? Seconded by Chang. Thank you. By Chan. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the roll. On approval of minutes, come. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. We have 11 ayes. The minutes are approved. Great. Clerk, uh, please call 
Our consent agenda items six through eight. The consent agenda are items six through eight. These items are first approved at the December 7th board meeting and are now before the board for final approval. Staff is not planning to present, but is available for questions. Uh, thank you. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda? Moved by Peston. Is there a second? Second, Preston. Seconded by Preston. Thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Yes, on the consent agenda, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Shanna, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Aye. Marr, aye. Commissioner Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. We have 11 ayes. The consent agenda has final approval. Great. Uh, please call item nine. Item nine, San Francisco severe traffic injury trends from 2011 to 2020. This is an information item. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. And I think we have uh, Seth Pardo and Devin Morris here. Good In morning, supervisors. Yeah, hello. My name is Seth Pardo. I am the new director of the Center for Data Science here at the Department of Public Health. Um, we're here to present a slide deck on the updated Vision Zero Action Strategy, and the Department of Public Health is sharing an update on the Vision Zero Severe Injuries. Um, while this report is on all severe injuries, we have incorporated data related to e-scooters uh, into this slide deck. Um, today with me is Devin Morris, who primarily works crash analyses in, uh, and data systems integration between uh, the police department, the Department of Public Health, and MTA, including our TransBase data set. Uh, he's helping with our data linkage between SF general patient and police crash reports uh, while we search for a new Vision Zero epidemiologist. I'll take questions afterwards, uh, but I thank Devin for being here with us today. Hi. Let me share my screen, just a second. Okay, um, can everyone hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so my name is Devin Morris. I am an integrated business system analyst here at the Department of Public Health. Um, I'll be presenting our severe injury trends report. And um, before I start, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to our former Vision Zero epidemiologist, Shamsi Sultani, who is pursuing her doctorate at Stanford. Um, so I want to wish her the best of luck and thank her for crunching all this data. Okay. So Zuckerberg SF General is the only level one trauma center in San Francisco in Northern San Mateo County, which means if you are severely injured in San Francisco, you should be taken to uh, Zuckerberg General. General is also owned and operated by the Department of Public Health, which gives us access to their trauma center registry data, um, something that no other 
city or county currently uh, uses. So we have an advantage here. In the report, our definition of a severe injury is anyone who is admitted to the hospital overnight. In addition, if an individual has an injury severity score or ISS score greater than 15, they are considered a critical injury in our data set. So ISS is a measurement of injury across all bodily regions with a higher ISS score indicating a longer hospital stay and a higher likelihood of dying. Um, both these critical and severe injury definitions are consistent with other health organizations, including the World Health Organization and the California Department of Public Health. In all the charts, uh, following charts, critical injuries are a subset of severe injuries. In addition, our data from SF General includes individuals who are injured on freeways in, within the city of San Francisco. So uh, this report covers a period uh, of time during the COVID-19 pandemic. On March 17th, 2020, DPH issued its first stay-at-home order, and even now we are still dealing with the impacts of the pandemic. Just given the unprecedented nature and huge social and economic disruption this is, that has occurred over the last 20 months, um, I highly advise that anyone using this data use caution when comparing 2020 data to previous years. Um, both significant increases or decreases in severe injuries may be short-term, um, as life slowly returns to normal, or it may not. So it'll be interesting to see how things uh, like remote work change the number and spatial distribution of traffic injuries in the coming years. Throughout this presentation, I'll try not to compare 2020 to previous years, just given how different that year was. So I will only be showing data from the trauma registry from 2015 <clears throat> forward. Uh, in late 2014, new re-triage guidelines came out that caused a fluctuation in the numbers due to how people are being counted as admitted to the hospital. Uh, historic numbers back to 2011 can be found in the PDF report available on the Vision Zero website. So we can see that uh, we can see the the total number of severe injuries have declined from 2018 to 2019. It's also interesting to note that SFPD police data is moving in the opposite direction with 2019 being higher, uh, their higher year of recorded severe injuries. So this really shows the benefit of having two different data sets for comparison. Um, the police definition of a severe injury is different from what the trauma registries is, and their definition actually comes from the CHP's uh, 555 crash manual. In 2020, we saw large declines in both um, Zuckerberg, general, and police numbers of severe injuries. However, critical injuries have remained relatively flat during this entire six-year period, even during the pandemic. So big picture, overall, we're seeing a slight decline in severe injuries. Uh, seen at SF General, um, of the last few years, but critical injuries have uh, unfortunately remained flat. Okay. Looking across different transportation modes, people walking continue to make up about a third of severe and critical injuries seen at SF General. We've continued to see a decline in the proportion of people severely injured in motor vehicles and to a lesser extent critical injuries 
and people on bicycles and motorcycles continue to comprise a similar proportion of severe and critical injuries compared to previous years, about 20% each, which is a notably higher share relative to the overall proportion of trips they represent in the city. So the total number of pedestrian severe injuries seen at SF Journal has generally been flat apart from 2020, where we saw a fairly significant decline. Uh, however, critical injuries have remained flat year to year, uh, even during the pandemic. For bicyclists, there was a large drop-off in 2019 for severe injuries, but this has since reverted to the previous trend line in 2020. Um, we're not sure why there was such a large drop off in 2019. We had the trauma registry double check all their data. And as far as we can tell, this was just an anomalous year. Um, it'll be, it's interesting that unlike pedestrians, we did not see a decrease in cyclist severe injuries during the pandemic and critical injuries for cyclists in which pedestrians have remained mostly flat over the last six years. For motor vehicles, we've seen year after year declines in severe injuries since peaking in 2017. Similar to pedestrians, there was a decline in severe injuries to people in motor vehicles during the pandemic. Uh, however, critical injuries have also remained flat. Severe injuries to people riding motorcycles have decreased from a high of 130 in 2018, but remain within their historic range. Uh, like bicyclists, there was no noticeable decline in severe injuries during the 2020 pandemic, and critical injuries have remained mostly flat over the last six years. So in 2018, Zuckerberg General began tracking injuries associated with standing electrical electric scooters. Our 2020 data shows we had five severe injuries, four of which were critical. 2020 was also the first year on record where we saw two people die while riding an e-scooter, and we've had one person die in 2021 while riding an e-scooter. Uh, all this may indicate that e-scooters are a particularly vulnerable mode of transportation. So you can see critical injuries are making up a larger proportion of injuries seen at SF General over the last three years. We have e-scooter data for. So next steps, uh, one of the innovative things that the Department of Public Health does with this data is a probabilistic linkage uh, between a patient record at SF General to police crash report record as part of our traffic injury surveillance system. Um, each data set has advantages and disadvantages. So from the trauma registry, we get a lot of important information about medical outcomes, but we don't really have much detailed information about what caused the crash, whereas the police data has a lot of information about how the crash happened, uh, but it only has four generic injury categories as determined by a police officer who is not a medical professional. So um, when we combine these two data sets, we get a lot more rich information of how a crash occurred, what were the medical outcomes, and what was the cost associated with that injury. Um, there's also a subset of SF general patient records that don't, <clears throat> excuse me, that don't match to police records. Um, so it, it could be that someone didn't call an officer when they're involved in a crash or they're taken to the hospital before a crash report was filed, or it could be a solo bike crash that uh, 
person was unsure that they had to contact the police or for whatever reason people just may not want to go call the police um so this combined data set will go into updating the city's high injury network and my hope is to have that work done sometime early next year i believe that is my slide deck so um thank you for listening and yeah if you have any questions please let me know Thank you. Uh, colleagues, comments or questions? We can open this. Uh, let's open this public comment. There is no public comment. All right. Public comment on item nine is closed. Um, I'm thank you for your presentation. It will certainly inform our consideration of item 10. Um, Right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, uh, please call item 10. Item 10 is the Vision Zero Action Strategy Update. This is an information item. All right. Uh, and here we have Tom McGuire and Ryan Reeves. Good. Good morning, uh, Commissioners. Good morning. Supervisors, uh, I'm going to give a quick introduction to my colleague Ryan Reeves, who's going to talk about our next Vision Zero Action Strategy. Um, and uh, the only things that I want to say is uh, thank you to you and thank you to all the advocates who who might be present. Uh, this strategy very much reflects um, some very strong feedback we got from all the stakeholders in the city, uh, of which you as supervisors and commissioners are key stakeholders. Um, it, it's definitely strengthened the work product that you're going to see from Ryan, and it's also clarified our approach um, to how we deal with legislation, transforming the city streets, and working in partnership with the Transportation Authority as a key funder of these projects, and working with you as supervisors as key supporters uh, of safe streets in your own neighborhoods. Um, you'll hear about uh, strategies to manage and control speeds. You'll hear about areas where we still have some work to do in Sacramento, um, and you'll hear about increasing the pace of project delivery, something that is near and dear to so many of our hearts. So really nothing more to say uh, before handing the microphone over to Ryan Reeves, who's our Vision Zero coordinator and has done tremendous work over the last two years to make this a more inclusive um, and frankly, more aggressive uh, Vision Zero strategy. So I'm really proud to introduce her and let her talk about her work. <clears throat> Thank you, Director McGuire. Thank you. Um, let me just pull up my slides here. Just confirming that <clears throat> the slide deck is that you can see this. We can. Okay. Um, all right. Um, good morning. My name is Ryan Reeves, and I'm our Vision Zero program manager here at MTA. And I'll be sharing an update um, today on our Vision Zero action strategy. <clears throat> um, so we were last. And sir, could I just confirm that? So the slides are, are they did advance. I'm not seeing it on the team's screen. We're seeing uh, 2021 visions, okay. vision strategy, action strategy, and then some saving okay. lives, equity, slowing speeds, safe streets, and culture change. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so we were last at this uh, the board this summer um, to share the draft strategy and 
We heard your input on really advancing our quick builds, supporting mode shift, and exhausting the tools to slow speeds. So we're excited to share today um, the, the, the plan that was released last month by the mayor's office, which really reflects the input that you've shared with us to date. Um, I'll give some highlights of the plan and speak to some of the areas where we've made major changes since you've last um, seen the draft. So as a quick uh, recap, this plan was developed based on outreach with a range of stakeholders, including the community and advocates. Um, we conducted multilingual outreach through surveys and community presentations earlier this year. The plan really pushes us forward to um, develop a, deliver a bold and ambitious strategy to get to zero. When we look at other cities outside of the US though, we know that um, getting to zero will really require a major shift in policy, politics, and resources. So we know that we need legislative authority for tools like speed cameras and congestion pricing, as well as increased housing density uh, across the region. We know Vision Zero is possible and that we have much more work to do. So next I'll just walk through some of the, the changes that we've made um, since we last met with you. And first is really the commitment to projects on the high injury network. So we have over 80 miles of safety improvements on the Hindry network that are either completed or in the planning or construction phase. And we're committing to using the quick build toolkit on the entire Hindry network. So this means that we'll be doing about 20 quick build projects per year for the next three year to complete all of the remaining 80 miles. We're really excited about the recently approved funding from the TA board to move forward um, another set of quick builds and in addition to this, we're looking at an unfunded need of about $5 million per year that we're planning to identify through our upcoming capital improvement uh, plan process at the MTA. So this commitment is really a significant increase over previous years. Um, completing about 20 quick build projects per year means that we're, we're committing to increasing quick builds by about 200% since the program began in 2019. So we're really significantly scaling up this commitment to complete safety improvements on the Hindry network. We've also updated this strategy to reflect our work on slow streets and mode shift. So we've included a commitment to build out the low stress active transportation network by 2024, which includes low car streets, car-free streets, slow streets, and protected bike lane networks. Um, the San Francisco Bicycle Plan will be building out a more specific plan in the next few years, and this is a conceptual network um, that really reflects the progress we can achieve by 2024 to support mode shift, which we know is critical to getting to zero. The updated strategy also reflects the new authority that we have to lower speed limits under uh, Assembly Bill 43, so less than a month after AB 43 um, was, was signed by the governor, we put forward a proposal for initial speed limit reductions under this new authority. So AB 43 allows us to reduce speeds in business activity districts beginning in January, and then in 2024 to further reduce speeds on corridors with the highest rate of crashes. So we've put together this map um, that's also included in the, the action strategy that shows the streets that are eligible now for speed limit reductions under AB 43 as business activity districts. We're working urgently to use this new authority and we have the first seven locations that are shown here in red that were approved by the MTA board last week and will be beginning implementation um, in early January. 
The new strategy also describes um, the, the speed management plan that we've committed to. So we're going to build out a comprehensive plan that will not only reduce speed limits, but also looks at complementary tools like education and outreach, reaching out to communities about alternatives to traditional enforcement as a compliance plan for when we reduce speeds, speed, excuse me, for when we reduce speed limits, um, and also engaging with our police department on high visibility enforcement, uh, which we know is a, an effective strategy to slow speeds that also does not result in any racial disparities. And then pairing all of this, um, of course, with our traffic calming work. So lastly, we've committed to updating all high injury network intersections with core safety improvements where appropriate. So including daylighting, continental crosswalks, um, slower walking speeds, leading pedestrian intervals. And we also update our commitment to completing the daylighting uh, work one year ahead of schedule as well. And finally, we've updated our metrics and progress reporting. So we'll report on metrics for our quick build projects, which we again expect to be about 20 per year. Um, and we'll report on that annually. We'll also report on our severe injury trends uh, every two years, building on the, the data that Devin uh, just presented. And we'll be reporting on our safe streets projects annually. So we really appreciate um, the TA board's commitment to this work, um, as well as the, the calls from the advocates and the community to really push forward for an ambitious plan. Um, and we are moving forward urgently to really implement these tools um, to save lives. So with that, I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you, Ms. Reeves. Um, let me see if colleagues have comments or questions. Ah, Commissioner Melgar. Sorry, I couldn't get in the chat quick enough. Um, Ms. Reeves, so I, thank you so much for the presentation. That's really helpful and it's helpful to hear, you know, the commitment to uh, increase the number of uh, quick build projects um, in the future. Um, something that I've never understood is how uh, these projects are selected by staff and put forward uh, for approval. So, you know, I understand uh, the high injury net, uh, corridors and uh, the equity zones um, that sometimes overlap, sometimes doesn't with uh, areas where there are um, vulnerable populations, you know, that are using our streets. So seniors, people with disabilities, children. Um, and so I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about that. Um, so I'm particularly interested in playgrounds and school zones, as well as um, senior centers, community centers, places where there's lots of folks in wheelchairs. Um, and then the other thing that um, I'm wondering if you could talk about is uh, recent uh, state legislative efforts to empower um, localities to um, slow down <laughs> um, and uh, what has passed and what's in the works and how you think that that might help you uh, accelerate these efforts in a way that makes sense. Sure. So. Um, I'll invite the, the Liberal Streets director to join um, for the question about um, quick builds, Jamie Parks, and then I can I can start first with the the, the recent legislation, like you men mentioned, to slow speeds. Um, so Assembly Bill 43, which was um, signed into law by the governor, will go into effect in January. 
Um, we proposed a set of seven corridors for initial speed limit reductions um, under AB 43 um, that were approved by our board last week. And we're going to begin implementation in January and we're able to complete um, uh, about two per month. So we'll be completing the, the first seven um, speed limit reductions um, by April. Um, in the map that I showed, we also showed um, about 20 or so additional corridors that um, are eligible for speed limit reductions under AB 43 as business activity districts, um, but require some additional work with our engineers to just go out and confirm they meet all the requirements. Um, so as an example, um, half of the, the um, fronting land uses on a street must be commercial in order to, to meet the criteria. So we're going to have our engineers just go through and confirm um, the eligibility. Um, we're planning to bring forward the, the next set of proposed locations under AB 43 um, early next year. Um, and then we're also working with the, the state process to ensure that the definition of, of safety corridors um, really reflects the, the urban context within San Francisco um, and that additional authority to reduce speed limits on safety corridors um, will be available to us in, in 2024. Um, so let me just, I'll turn it over to, to Jamie Parks, our local streets director to answer the question about quick builds as well. Sure. Thank, thank you, Ryan, and good morning, commissioners. Again, uh, Jamie Parks, Livable Streets Director with SFMTA. Um, appreciate the question about how we select our, our quick build projects. So a couple different kind of components to, to that. So first, I think it's important to, to note that, as Ryan mentioned, our commitment is to complete the quick build toolkit across the entire high entry network. And so it's not really a question of where we're going to do quick builds as much of a question of how we sequence them and which ones come, come first. So we do have a commitment to do the full high entry network um, with our quick build toolkit. In terms of how we've uh, selected projects for funding for the quick build program to date, including the projects that were just approved by, by this board, um, often we really look to previous community plans where we have a good idea of you know, what's needed based on a community planning effort. So whether that's the um, Lake Merced community-based planning effort that was done earlier this year, or the, the Bayview community-based plan that was done in 2020 that informed three or four quick builds in the Bayview, or working with the Tenderloin community or the Central Soma plan, uh, we do try to use past planning efforts wherever we can. And the other thing that we look to a lot is coordination opportunities, and particularly if there's maybe a paving project or a construction project that's going to be doing work in an area, there may be an opportunity to combine that with the quick build. But again, the, the goal is to complete the quick builds across the network, um, and it's really a matter of sequencing and not whether we're going to do them. But in addition to quick builds, I also want to mention that we have a lot of other um, capital programs that we do. That, so it's not just the quick build program, specifically around schools. We have a schools traffic engineering program uh, that funds traffic calming and at school loading zones. Uh, we've already installed all the 15 mile an hour zones at school loading zones. It also funds traffic engineering for schools that they have specific loading issues. We have a traffic engineer assigned that can help them sort out loading, you know, move the white zones around, add the signs. 
and also provides school walk audits. So we will work with specific school communities and walk around the school and identify safety challenges and, and potential solutions. And for senior centers, we have sorry, what we've called- I'm sorry. Oh, oh sorry. The chair, I just wanted to ask you about that. Uh, so, what I'm not sure that folks in the schools uh, are aware of these, and is this on a demand basis? So, if a school administration uh, wants these services, they reach out to you, or is it a proactive, um, you know, process where you have a list of the schools that have had, you know, the worst issues, and you take them in priority? Yeah. It's a little bit of both. And so for the traffic calming work, that's a proactive program. We are systematically working across all the schools in San Francisco to put speed humps adjacent to them wherever that's appropriate. And so that's a proactive program that we're simply doing. Um, then the, you know, the engineering support is, you know, sometimes proactive, but often request-based. And so we work closely with SFUSD and they have a transportation coordinator who funnels transportation requests from principals or school communities to us. And so it is mostly request-based, although we may notice things in, in some circumstances where we would go out proactively and try to address you know, specific loading or safety issues that we've observed. Um, you know, we also run the school crossing guard program, and sometimes we'll get input from our crossing guards who have noticed something, and that, that can trigger you know us to to follow up because of what we've heard from from the our employees who are out on the streets watching things. Um, and and then really quickly to to finish up, I wanted to mention our proactive traffic calming program, which is something that we've worked closely with DPH on to target traffic calming and speed slowing measures in areas with seniors and um, you know, communities of concern. So DPH did a lot of mapping of you know, areas that have high concentrations of seniors. And we've worked through this program now in the central Richmond area where we've you know, installed traffic calming around you know, the senior center there and along you know, key community centers. We've done it in the Excelsior, um, Ingleside, and we have an ongoing project in Visitation Valley. And so that proactive traffic calming approach really supplements our application or the traffic calming applications, recognizing that the neighborhoods or people who may submit applications may not perfectly reflect the places in the city that need traffic calming. So, so in summary, um, you know, we have a lot going on in addition to the quick build program so that we're trying to, you know, touch a, you know, there are a lot of different challenges in San Francisco, so we have a lot of different programs to try to get to them. Thank you, Mr. Parks. Um, thank you, Commissioner Melgar. Uh, I guess, you know, my, my question, um, I guess, is about how to think about the relationship between these two items on our agenda, item nine and item 10. Um, you have in, in your, you know, Vision Zero update uh, a page on um, some cities that have had, you know, what would look like, you know, some pretty remarkable achievements in the same period that we've had a Vision Zero strategy. And, you know, you highlight Edmonton, Canada's 63% fatality redu reduction since 2015, and Fortaleza, Brazil's 48% uh, reduction in fatalities, and Oslo, Norway, a city of about the same size as San Francisco, managing to, managing to have zero bicyclists and pedestrian deaths in 2019. So that um, is both inspiring, but also kind of depressing because we have been we have had a Vision Zero strategy 
for that period of since 2014. And yet in item nine, we see maybe a dip in one year in bicyclist fatalities, but they think that's just a blip. And in general, we're just flat. And so I'm wondering if you could, if you know, folks from the MTA could talk a little bit about what they think is going on. And um, I mean, one way of, one way to, th I mean, one answer might be, well, it would be a whole lot worse if we weren't making the investments that we're doing. And so it's sort of a flat line, we would have had a curve up. Um, but how do we think about success? I mean, vision zero isn't vision less than we would have otherwise had. It's, you know, actually trying to, I think, set a goal where we're making things better. And it doesn't look from what we saw on the item nine, like we're making things better. Sure. Um, you know, I think that that I'll just start by saying that a lot of what DPH really brings to this is uh, a really clear focus on on data to inform the decisions that we're making and informing how we're focusing our resources. Um, and so we use a lot of the analysis that DPH does to make sure that we're focusing um, on where we know the problems are. Um, as well as areas where we know that that we have really trends. Um, so as an example, um, you saw that there was a been an increase in, in motorcycle fatalities. Um, and that's something that we've really pursued grant opportunities to be able to do motorcycle safety work with the community and with the police department. Um, another example is the, the work, um, the, the data that we've seen around left turns and just the increase or the prevalence of left turn um, injuries. And so we piloted a, a left turns traffic calming program um, that was recently released and announced um, paired with education and outreach. And we're committing to increasing those left turn traffic calming um, pilots throughout the city. So we really use the data from our public health department to really inform um, where we're focusing our, our resources. Um, in terms of looking at the other cities, I, I think you're right. There, there are cities across um, the, the rest of the world that are making more progress, um, but it is, you know, really with tools that we don't currently have the capacity or the authority for here um, in San Francisco. So the speed safety cameras is really a key tool that we know we need to make a difference that we see um, in other cities that have been able to, to use that, have seen a bigger um, shift in their, the trends. Um, we also know that we need um, tools like congestion pricing, you know, much more significant mode shift, um, as well as really, um, you know, bold and ambitious street redesign um, with things like our low car and car free streets that we see in, in the cities that you mentioned as well. Um, so I think the strategy, you know, really does tee up that that there are these these shifts um, that that are really that are really needed. So um, I'll just see if if uh, Director uh, McGuire has anything that that he wants to to add as well. Yeah, thank you, Ryan, and I, I really I do appreciate the question, um, Commissioner Mandelin. The I, I I think if I think back to 2014 when we adopted the Vision Zero strategy, which is when I started. At the MTA, I think we had a lot of very different expectations about how we would be achieving this goal. Uh, we, we were thinking about um, the high entry network, thinking about digging up all those streets and pouring concrete and coming up with a kind of a permanent final plan for those streets. Uh, that that approach is very expensive and time consuming and 
gets you a couple miles a year. And, and so the pivot that Ryan discussed about shifting towards uh, ever greater production of quick builds lets us get more, you know, more safety tools out to more neighborhoods faster. Um, also, a lot of those safety tools were experimental in 2014. They're now proven. So I think there's a couple embedded in all the engineering aspects of the strategy is a real learning from where we've been. Um, there's also some stuff that, that we're, 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 we really did genuinely think we would have achieved by now. And I think speed safety cameras is the biggest one. Um, I, the 20 mile an hour speed limit provisions, AB 43 is a, it, it's more than a constellation prize. It's a really great tool. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna hit the ground running with that starting in January, but you know, we're eight years into our strategy, um, or rather eight years into our commitment that kind of presupposed we would have the gold standard of speed safety cameras and instead, it took us eight years to get something very good. Still, let's call it a silver standard of, of um, lowering speed limits in commercial zones. But it's nowhere near the, the statewide um, law that we would have hoped and, and that those cities that have achieved more dramatic results have found. Um, I, Jamie and Ryan and I talk to our colleagues in other cities all the time. Uh, the really unfortunate thing about the last two years in the U.S. is we have backslid uh, badly on traffic safety. Um, countries can experience something like 4,000 more traffic deaths this year than we would have uh, in, in 2018 and 2019. And that's, it's just, some of that's the context of COVID. Some of that is, there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think one of the big issues is people uh, starting to shun, shunning public transportation. So that's why mode shift is such an important part of our strategy. But, you know, you said um, in your question, uh, Commissioner, uh, would it would it be worse were we not doing this? I do believe it would be worse were we not doing this. We've we've basically held steady and, and, and achieved a couple of years of dips in fatalities at a time when most other cities, even cities that have adopted Vision Zero, have seen their fatalities increase. Um, so that's it's just an honest answer of where we're at. All right. Thank you, Director McGuire. Why don't we see what the public has to say? Let's open item ten to public comment. Okay. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Hi, uh, thank you all uh, for being here. My name is Christian Rose and I live in uh, Coal Valley. I want to speak today as an emergency physician at DSFG and UCSF, as well as a survivor of a left uh, turning crash, and just wanted to reiterate the importance of the work you guys are doing today. Um, I want to thank the SFMTA staff for listening to the public and what needs to be in our Vision Zero Action Strategy. Um, and it seems like there's a real positive commitment to safety from the draft that we saw this summer to today's plan. And also this discussion just illuminates the difficulty in addressing um, traffic-related injuries and deaths in our city. I ask the commissioners to support this work and make the projects in their district the strongest and most ambitious possible. But mostly I just want to share with you that as someone who both treats the results of and was the victim of a vehicular accident in San Francisco, I of course have uh, some strong feelings on the topic. You know, every day for four years, I rode my bike um, over our hills and through our vibrant neighborhoods in San Francisco on my way uh, to training as an emergency physician at UCSF and VSFG. Every minute, I felt connected to the community that I was on the street, um, and these are the people I have devoted my life uh, to healing. I love our city streets, um, but there wasn't a single day that went by where I wasn't also afraid that my life was in danger as cars raced by me, buzzing me, yelling at me, telling me to get out of the road. As a native New Yorker, I have a pretty thick skin to these things, and it really wasn't enough to deter me from what is ultimately the happiest part of my day, 
my way to work. But I found myself, uh, unfortunately, on the street on Arguello, staring at the members of our wonderful SF fire, um, who decided that something uh, decided something had to be done to protect our uh, commuters across the city. Uh, I was driving, uh, riding my bike down Arguello with light and hit by a car making a left-hand turn and subsequently had to be treated at the emergency department of SFG um, by my friends and family. The saddest part of this to me, despite the months of rehab um, and work that went into trying to get better, was that every day we'd leave and Thank you, people would say, you know, see you soon, but uh, I know caller. that every time that we left, you'd be... Uh, Thank you, uh, putting our lives at risk. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. I guess we should reiterate that um, public comment is two minutes. Yes. Hello. Hello. Uh, you're two minutes speaking. Uh, now. Thank you, uh, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. My name is Monique Shawless, um, and I'm actually an emergency physician as well. I live in West Portal and I work at Kaiser. I wanna thank you again for listening to us. It sounds like emergencies are a theme uh, in this uh, area, uh, which is really, I, I, I support the last caller. It's really, I'm a biker to my emergency department as well. And uh, it's scary out there. I'm also a parent and I unfortunately love to let my children ride their bikes to, to school in the city. And I can't even really consider it. So um, I really uh, also, as the president of the San Francisco Marin Medical Society, I urge you guys to act, act fast and act decisively. Um, I think probably constricting, uh, constructing quick builds on every single high injury street is the best thing that we can do just to make sure no more people die. Um, as we heard from the last caller and supported by my own personal experience, um, you know, many people die, but so many people are injured and disabled, and these things take years uh, to recover from. Costs to society are huge. So thank you so much for working on this issue. We really appreciate it. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. My name is Katie Liddell, and I live in District 6. I am the Vice President of the South Beach Rincon Mission Bay Neighborhood Association, and our organization has been very active in the Vision Zero effort. First, thank you so much for your support of our work. I'm here today to ask for your continued support as we tackle these crashes and the misery they cause. For me, it is personal. I entered the pedestrian safety effort back in 2004 when I walked home for lunch to find my neighbor covered by a coroner's tarp in the street where I live. She had been hit while crossing on a green light, walking in the crosswalk in broad daylight. And the dangerous behavior of drivers continues. We must stop it. We must create a plan to manage speed. We know this is the top cause of crashes, so let's make it a priority. We must also construct quick builds on all the single high injury corridors. The sooner the better. Again, on a personal note, 
I use a walker these days and am afraid to cross at many intersections. I can now truly empathize with those who use any sort of device to assist them. I love San Francisco, and I want to enjoy beauty by walking around as do hundreds of others. Please continue to support our Vision Zero efforts. Thank you so much. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. My name is Jody Medeiros, and I'm the Walk San Francisco Executive Director. As we just heard this morning from several of those speakers and from the city's agencies through the severe injury report, we are still facing a disturbing trend that 10 people a week are being sent to the hospital, and on average, 30 people annually lose their lives because of our city's dangerous streets. I want to thank the commission is here for engaging with Walk San Francisco and the Vision Zero Coalition this summer in asking the MTA for a more ambitious plan for the Vision Zero Action Strategy. And we've come a long way from this initial summer draft. Thanks to the MTA team for being willing to go out of their comfort zone because this plan represents the most important traffic safety solutions for San Francisco streets, especially the, the plan that can get done within months and be more inexpensive than the full build-outs. The agency's commitment to speed management couldn't come soon enough because we still know that speed is the number one determinant if a person lives or dies. And the Vision Zero Coalition is eager to help shape the city's proposed speed management plan. This action plan addresses every single high energy corridor within four years through the quick build projects and is a critical opportunity to repurpose road space for faster transit, less dangerous speeding, and for people of all ages to get around. And the active transportation network, which was not in the original draft, this is what we all dream about. Traffic calm neighborhood streets that we can move around safely. So we ask for your support, not only for this document, but for you to be begging for these traffic calming people first projects in each of your district, because the success of the Vision Zero Action Plan depends on your support. Lastly, we ask for your support for additional tools that were mentioned in this plan, but not put to full capacity, including red light cameras, left turn calming, and streetscape projects to build on the success of quick builds. Thank you so much. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Hello, everyone. Hi, supervisors. Thanks for taking my call. My name is Drew Banky. I'm a <laughs> District 7 resident. Um, just wanted to say I support the Vision Zero Action Strategy. Uh, lower streets are incredibly important for our neighborhoods. I am a huge fan of car-free and car-light spaces, such as the slow streets. Um, I use them to bike around with my, my family and hope to see them stay for the foreseeable future. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Hello, everyone. 
My name is Malcolm Jaramillo, and I am a community organizer with uh, the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. Um, I firstly want to thank SFMTA staff uh, for really committing to amazing um, infrastructure improvements as well as listening to the public um, on what we need for our Vision Zero Action Strategy. Um, I want to ask the commissioners to support this work and make projects in their districts the strongest and most ambitious as they can, um, especially as someone who has experienced the trauma of uh, by traffic-related incidents. I feel that it is imperative that we continue this work and make it as strong and as robust as possible. Thank you for your time. Thank you, caller. There are no more callers. All right. Uh, public comment on item 10 is closed. Um, and I, again, want to thank uh, MTA staff and DPH staff for all of their for all of their work on this and hoping we can begin to see uh, start seeing these uh, these curves going down rather than just flat over over time. Um, Madam Clerk, can you please call item 11? Yes, item 11 is an item recommended from the personnel committee. Recommend amendment of resolution 9014 to add Juneteenth as an annual observed paid holiday. This is an action item. Um, all right, folks, uh, this is a recommendation of our personnel committee um, and uh, there was an opportunity for public comment at the personnel committee. Um, it does not require a motion or a second. So I will, uh, if, if there are no comments or questions, um, glad we're doing this, and I will ask the uh, clerk to please call the roll. Yes, on item 11, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Marr. Commissioner Marr. Marr, absent. Commissioner Mulgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai? Safai absent. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. We have 11, sorry, we have nine ayes. The motion passes. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call item 12. Item 12, this item is potentially going into closed session to evaluate public employee performance and recommend approval of the executive director's performance objectives for 2022. This is an action item. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. And I actually should have started before item 11, probably or in item 11, thanking the members of the personnel committee or vice chair uh, Peskin and um, member Ronan for their time um, in considering these items. Um, so, uh, the personnel committee, um, uh, met on December 8th and recommended a rating of outstanding for the executive director's performance in 2021 and adopted the proposed objectives for 2022 that are included in the agenda materials. Um, and that I believe, um, uh, the director will be going into further in the new year. Um, we're prepared to go into closed session if that's the desire of this body. At, um, but we don't have to. So are there any questions or any commissioners who'd like to go into closed session on item uh, 12? 
Seeing none, um, then let's uh, let's call the roll on this item. On item 12, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Mark. Laura absent. Commissioner Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Safai absent. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Safai, aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Stephanie absent. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Okay. We have nine ayes. The motion is approved. All right. Um, thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call item 13. Item 13. Set the annual compensation for the executive director for 2022. This is an action item. All right, uh, colleagues. So um, on this item, the personnel committee recommended a um, uh, a 4.5 percent increase uh, to the executive director's compensation after considering compensation uh, for similarly situated um, uh, executives at other transportation agencies and um, looking at increases that folks within the TA had uh, gotten over the last year. Um, uh, Director Chang, a first class human being, has um, requested that that be re uh, reduced to 4% in light of uh, economic conditions. And um, I am inclined to grant her uh, request, although that would require um, a motion and second um, by this board. Um, and so uh, I will make that motion if someone will second it. I will second it, and I want to thank our executive director uh, for that uh, more than a gesture, uh, as well as for her service, and thank the members of the personnel committee for what I thought were very um, good and mature deliberations in closed session. Thank you, Vice Chair Peskin. Um, we should take public comment on this item since we are changing the personnel committee, or since the, the motion is to change the personnel committee's recommendation. So let's open item 13 to public comment. Okay, as a reminder, this public comment is for item 13. Public comment is only for item 13 at this time. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. Great. David Pilpel again. Um, so I had a comment on item 11 that wasn't taken, and you didn't ask for public comment on item 12. So um, I don't have anything on item 12, uh, but can we go back to item 11? You may need to rescind because I have a, a comment on the last resolve clause. Um, let's hear from our next speaker. Well, I ha also have a comment on item 13. So how do you wish to proceed? You should make your comment on item 13. That's what's up now. Okay. 
So on item 13, I commented last year on the director's performance and compensation. I, in general, support compressing salary ranges with a higher minimum wage in the world and a lower maximum wage. So accordingly, I oppose today's proposed increase, whether it's four or four and a half percent, uh, without regard to uh, Director Chang's, uh, uh, I, I agree, uh, uh, excellent performance. Uh, that's my comment on item 13. When do you want me to comment back on item 11? Let's hear from the next speaker. Thank you, Colin. Thanks. There are no more callers. Public comment on item 13 is closed. As I said earlier, uh, we, the personnel committee took public comment on the other uh, other items that were before the personnel committee. The only reason we were taking public comment on item or we took public comment on item 13 is that we were making a change from the recommendation of the personnel committee. Um, all right, so there's been a motion and a uh, second. Um, and uh, Madam Clerk, and, and so that is a motion for, to increase uh, the director's compensation to 4% uh, rather than 4.5%. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Yes, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Mark. Aye. Mar, aye. Commissioner Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, I. We have 11 ayes. The motion to amend the resolution from 4.5% to 4% passes. Great. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, thank you, members of the Personnel Committee. Thank you, Director Chang, and thank you, colleagues. And Madam Clerk, please call item 14. This is Jill Jaffe, Council. Just a reminder to the Clerk to please call a vote on the item as amended. Oh, that was a thank you, right. motion to amend. Yes. I will move the item as amended. Uh, I will second that. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Thank you. On item 13, item as amended, Commissioner Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Commissioner Haney. Aye. Haney, aye. Commissioner Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Commissioner Mar. Aye. Mar, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Commissioner Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. We have 11 ayes. The motion passes. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Please call item 14. I think Executive Director Change wants to speak. Oh, through the chair, I just wanted to thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure and privilege to serve. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, Director Milton. 
Uh, please call item 14. I mean, uh, <laughs> item 14, Sorry. introduction of new items. This is an information item. Anybody have new items? Nope. All right. Uh, Madam Clerk, please call item 15. Item 15 is public comment. Let's open our general public comment. Okay, we have one caller. Great. Hello, caller. Your two minutes will begin now. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Great, David Pilpel again. So I'm reviewing rule point 3.26 of the Transportation Authority regarding public comment, which does provide that public comment is not taken before the board on an item that was previously considered by a committee and was not substantially changed. But I believe that rule runs afoul of the uh, Brown Act, which only applies that provision to the Board of Supervisors and not to uh, other entities. So I believe there's a conflict between that rule and the provision of the Brown Act. Regardless, the comment I would have made on the subject of uh, item uh, 11 on the Juneteenth uh, holiday is in the resolved clause for that item. Uh, resolve the Transportation Authority hereby amends resolution 90-14 to add observes Juneteenth as an annual observed paid holiday. I believe the word observes is surplus and should be removed from the resolved clause having no material change to the meaning of that uh, resolution. In addition, I would ask the staff to post the personnel manual of the authority on the web under about us governing policies perhaps noting that the personnel manual is not adopted by this board, but is adopted by the executive director. And I'm assuming that that personnel manual will be appropriately uh, updated to include the Juneteenth holiday that you've just recognized. Thank you for listening today. Thank you, caller. There are no other callers. Uh, thank you, public comment on this item is closed. Um, I'm going to ask that our uh, clerk and council and director look at our resolution on Juneteenth and make sure that it all makes sense and there's not any clerical cleanup that needs to happen. Um, Madam Clerk, please call our next item. Item 15 is adjournment. All right, we are adjourned, everybody. Thank you. Have a good, a good holiday and new year. Thank you, you as well.